Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of my podcast, Is Breakfast Included? How are you guys doing? Good? Good? I'm good too. Thanks for asking. Today on the show, my guest is Monica Aldama. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, and I know some of you have been, Monica and her team are the subject of a Netflix series called Cheer. It is amazing. Um, It's in its second season now. She's also released a book. She's appeared on Dancing with the Stars. She took time out of her busy schedule. And let me tell you something. This girl is busy, so it meant a lot to talk to me about all things cheer, her book, Dancing with the Stars, what she likes for breakfast, and whether or not she'd choose Waylon or Willie. It was a great conversation sitting down with my old friend and catching up, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's check it out. Tell everyone who you are. Hello, I am Monica Aldama. Um, I am on a show called Cheer on Netflix. Maybe you've seen it. It came out season one a couple years ago, and uh, we just put out season two. And I just, uh, well, I wrote a book that just was released and called Full Out. Full Out. Yeah. I think a few people have heard about Cheer. <laughs> a few people. Uh, how did that get started? Um, did you, did Was it something like, did you approach them, the school approach you, or did... Did Netflix come to you, and were there any other, uh, any of the other streaming services? Was this something that was kind of like a bidding war on you, or did it? Yeah. It- okay. So it, it's actually really interesting because uh, the creator of Cheer, Greg Whiteley, also is the creator of Last Chance You. So I don't know if you've seen it or mm-hmm. not, but it's a it's a show on Netflix about junior college football, okay. and kind of set up the same style as as Cheer. But a very popular, very successful show on Netflix and had won a lot of awards and Emmys and stuff. And um, my daughter's now fiance, boyfriend at the time, um, he played football at Navarro his first year out of high school. And so I came home one day and they were in the living room watching Last Chance You. And of course, junior college football, love football, love junior college. So I got, I kind of got sucked in and I started watching it with them. And I was like, what is this? And they said, it's a, you know, documentary about this junior college team, uh, football team. And of course I started watching it for a bit and there was a lot of cussing because of course football, you know? And so I was, it was just funny because I said, oh my gosh, my, our president would never let us do something like this. You know, there's so much cussing, not that I'm going to be cussing in practice, but anyways, it was just funny that that was kind of my first thought. And, um, went back to work a couple of weeks went by and I got an email from a producer and they said they were the, a producer of Last Chance You and they were looking into doing a documentary about cheerleading and they were researching great cheer teams mm-hmm. and so they found us and wanted to talk to me. So obviously that was so ironic that I had literally just watched the show and not only just watched it, but my first thought was oh, our school would never allow us to do something like this. So I went to my athletic director and I said, of course, thinking they would immediately say, oh, you're crazy. But um, I went to my athletic director and I said, have you ever seen Last Chance You?" And he said, yeah. And I said, well, uh, one of the producers emailed me and wants to discuss possibly doing a cheer show. And he said, um, well, you need to call him back. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I will. And so, you know, I, I emailed him back and that led to a phone, multiple phone calls with um, him and then another one of the producers who actually worked on our show. Um, that was a long conversation that led to then a conversation with multiple producers, my athletic director and our marketing director and myself. And you know, I was a little bit shocked that we'd even gotten that far in discussions. Like they were actually open to discussing, uh, the school was actually open to discussing this. So, um, that they decided then this is back in 2017. So we've been working on this a really long time, you know, it came out in 2020, but it actually took a lot of work to get to that point. So, um, that was the fall of, of 2017. They flew out in, in 2018, probably like February or March, and they filmed us for a couple of days just to see if we were a good fit for them and uh, they were a good fit for us. And um, they loved us and they offered us a contract. And, and 
And what happened was we got a new president. Uh, our president was retiring, so we were getting a new president. And then our athletic director passed away that summer. So we had new athletic director, new president, and a contract sitting out there like, are y'all going to do this? Are you not? And so we kind of went back into limbo again because – the, you know, those, the two people that needed to approve it were no longer there. And, uh, so it went into some discussion and then they decided to go ahead and, uh, you know, let me do it. And so they came back and, uh, they came back for one weekend and at at homecoming in 2018, but they really kind of moved in, in the, in the spring of 2019 and stayed there the whole time. But it's been, it was a long process to get there. And, um, that's how it happened. I mean, I would have never dreamt in a million years that I would, you know, uh, even open myself up to film a documentary, but I was just, you know, really proud of my team and our work ethic. And once again, I had no idea like what was to come or how big it would be, but yeah. Yeah. So you said they sent someone out early to kind of see if you guys were a good fit for each mm-hmm. other. How did you guys handle that distraction? Was did you... <laughs> You you see documentaries being filmed, and you always wonder, like, when the camera goes in the room, do they put on a character? Or were yeah. you guys just doing your natural thing? Yeah, I mean, we were very naive. We didn't know what we were doing. So those two days, of course, we were just like, oh, yeah, what do you want us to do? You want to see our pyramid? Okay, yeah, let's do the pyramid, you know? And we, we kind of ran just a normal practice, but also, like, you know, just excited to show them, like, this is what we can do. These are This is our pyramid. These are our stunts. And watch us tumble, you know? Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, like I said, they, it, that was kind of exciting because we'd never experienced. Now, when they came back the next year and actually filmed, that it was never, we got very used to them very quickly, like within a day or two. Um, you know, it, it, for, you're mic'd at all times. So yeah. you, the first day or two, you're like, oh, I might not should say that. But then you can't not coach and you can't not practice. So it becomes like they're not even there. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of fell right into your routine. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, like I said, a day or two, you kind of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that, or you know, or you're kind of, you know, you're you're very aware that you have a mic on, but then, you know, you're like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Should I? What do I do? Do I take it off? You get you don't you don't even worry about that anymore. You just, whatever you know, you say whatever, you do whatever because you you can't do your job and worry about cameras. Yeah. You know, especially when you're coaching and you're in a season where we're trying to get ready. So it nobody was affected by. I mean at all no you wouldn't even on, have known they were there okay there was a uh uh before the series came out there was a viral video of ladarius mm-hmm. the sideline mm-hmm. dancing performing mm-hmm. and it went viral mm-hmm. even ellen showed it yeah uh was that something that cheer just kind of leaked or was that just a uh coincidence it was just that- a coincidence because um they let me think that was so we had already um talked to i mean we had already they had already offered us a contract before mm-hmm. that video ever linked, uh, leaked. That was in uh, 2018. So that just came out. Yeah, it was It was our first game. I videoed it because he's hilarious, obviously, uh-huh. yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, I put it in our group, and one of my girls put it on her Twitter, and it just went wild. Like, we were like, what is going on here? Uh, but, you know, we had already signed a contract with them. And of course, when they came out back out to actually start filming, um, I told them, you know, hey, he had this video that went viral. So, but it had nothing. It was everybody thinks, oh, that's the reason they came and filmed them for Netflix, but it really had nothing to do with it at all. Yeah, just, it was, it was coincidence. just coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you know that? How do you know when um, you have so much talent coming to your school? How do you know when someone has it? Well, you know, has what it takes. Yeah, I mean, at this level. Um, most, you know, there's very few that come that don't just because they're very competitive. The kids that do come, they're already looking for the the program because they want to compete at that high level. You know, they, they know what we're about from the beginning. Um, every once in a while, you know, someone comes and they, it's more than they expected and they maybe it's, it's too much, but, um, you know, it's, it's really great because the, it's obviously easier to recruit when you win. You know, yeah. it, I started off with no wins a long time ago and 14 people on the team. So I've really put in a lot of work over the years to build the program. And obviously, as you get more successful, it gets easier. But um, when you're known and people know, like, this is the competitive program I want to go to, 
um, they already have that drive and competitiveness. And obviously some stick out that have that it factor as far as performance on top of that. But they're all, um, you know, very driven when they get here. Do you ever, does, does anyone ever slip through the cracks and get into your program and you're like, eh, they really... I mean, of course, because, <laughs> you know, when you have tryouts, you don't really, it's not like you're, you know them for a long term. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do. Sometimes they're people you've recruited for years. And then sometimes someone shows up and you're like, wow, this person is very talented. And uh, you never really know till you actually get into your practice and, and your system and start working. Uh, because some, sometimes you have someone that's really talented, but their work ethic's maybe not there or, they're not really team driven. They're more self driven, and um, and then sometimes you have people that you you really think, well, they might could get there. They have potential, yeah. and they end up being your stars. You know, so yeah. um, you you just never know until you really get in it. But there's definitely some people that I think are going to be the top of the top, amazing, and they get there, and they they really aren't at all for whatever reason. They just they don't have the work ethic that that I expected, you know. Yeah. There's a scene in season two. If you haven't seen season two, sorry. <laughs> uh, there's a scene in season two where you're talking to your assistant coach. This is uh, before COVID, uh-huh. um, and he's you guys are discussing the routine, and he's like, "Well, you know, the rookies are hoping this," and you say, "Everybody hopes," mm-hmm. and that line stood out to me. More than anything in the whole season, because do you know who Mitzi Shore is? I do not. Mitzi Shore was the owner of the comedy store in Los okay. Angeles. Okay, okay. She had a saying that it's a sin to support mediocrity. <laughs> do you kind of feel that way? <laughs> do you kind of feel that way sometimes? I mean, no. I like to support everyone, but I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is, everyone comes there to compete. Everyone hopes to be on that mat, you know, yeah. and and as much as I would love to put every single person and give them the opportunity at the end of the day, my job is to coach and to make the decisions of who's going to be out there competing to win. Yeah. And I, you know, the hardest part is, you know, you do have to put your, you put your coaching hat off, you take your mom hat off and you put your coaching hat on and you make the tough decisions. Yeah. Um, From season one and season two, a lot of your um, team come from, diverse backgrounds some of Mm -hmm. them have harder stories than the other but the one constant that comes around is that they all look to you as a mom figure Mm -hmm. how hard is it to be a mom to all these different uh personalities yeah i mean it's very difficult and i had no idea i uh i had only been out of college a year when i went to Navarro and I had never coached. I mean, I did, I was a cheerleader, yeah. but I had never coached. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, you know, I, so I, I learned a lot. I, it was trial and error, as, you know, as I went. But what I quickly learned was, number one, not everybody was like me. You kind of, when you grow up, you're like, oh, everybody's like me. You know, you don't really understand that all the differences in, in people and how they're brought up and stuff. And so I quickly learned that, you know, I grew up in this pretty typical middle-class family. Not everyone was like that. And then I I also quickly learned as a coach, you really have to wear so many hats. I needed to be an advisor, a counselor, a disciplinarian, a mother, a friend, a coach, you know, it was just everything. And so I knew like, I, I'm not ready for that. So I need to educate myself. So I really tried to like learn as much as I could about how I could help them. Um, and I always kind of joke around and say, you know, I really need a psychology degree. That's what I need for <laughs> coaching, you know? Yeah. And so I, I took it, you know, I, I knew that my responsibility was to educate myself and figure out how I could best help them in whatever area it is. But you honestly are working 24 seven. My phone goes off at all times because for, I mean, from a very serious question and very, you know, uh, that's important from, you know, I don't, I don't know how to find my class tomorrow. I mean, you know, from everything, they ask me everything. So I'm, I'm constantly, um, being pulled in a different direction or, you know, like what, I mean, it could be something from their, their parents are going through a divorce and they are just, at a low point in their life and they just want to come in and talk about it or uh, they are 
had a fight with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're struggling in school. They're, I mean, it, it's really, you name it, I've probably had a conversation with one of them about whatever it is it's going through. And some years it seems like there's um, pulled even more so than others. Like this year, for some reason, I feel like I've spent so much time talking and counseling and, and whatnot with the kids. But um, I mean, that's just part of it. Like they, they are not at home. They're yeah. away, and I'm the support system. Yeah, yeah, you know. I think someone they referred to you as the Bill Belichick of cheerleading <laughs> after season one, but I don't think Bill Belichick is hugging his players. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see how I was perceived, you know. But um, I'll take that. I'll take the Bill Belichick yeah, of yeah. cheerleading. I, I don't mind that at all. <laughs> uh, but no, I definitely am not just tough on them. And, and and I'm not just like tough on them. I just have high expectations. And yeah. the thing about it is, I think a lot of these kids have not, sometimes they come from a background where nobody expected anything from them. Yeah. And it's interesting how like, if you set this expectation and demand greatness out of them, they will rise to the occasion and they just needed someone to expect it out of them. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And then a lot of kids, um, have been told they're great on mm-hmm. their life and they come in and they don't know how to take the criticism or the... Uh, True that. That's you know? exactly I right. I used to say that about when when uh, when American Idol first came out yeah. and, you know, before it became the circus that it is, these singers would come out and, and the host Simon would say like, oh, you're terrible, but they've been told they're great. They didn't know how to take that criticism. Absolutely. And everyone around me would just call me a hater. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of like, how people perceived you. How was that? Like dealing with coming from, as I've heard you say that you wanted to use cheer as a recruitment tool, but it, it immediately threw you into this, like you didn't yeah. know it was going to be as oh, big we as had, it was. Yeah, we had no idea. Um, how did, you know, how did you handle the current uh, climate of social media? Like, <laughs> well, I wasn't ready for it because, you know, like I said, I, we didn't, we didn't know the whole world was going to watch it. And then I also didn't know, I didn't know that people are like they are, you know, I'm just used to my small little social media with my friends. And I'm always one that's, um, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I, I'm a pleaser. I like, I don't like to mess up. I always like to do right. And so I'm not used to a lot of criticism because I'm always, if I do screw up, I make, I try to own it and like correct it and, make amends or do better or whatever. And so, you know, and I don't want to discredit all the love that I got because I got so much love. Mm-hmm. And But you know how it is. You you can get 95% love, but that 5%, it's it's still shocking to you to yeah. read. And, and it sticks in your head. Unfortunately, that's how our crazy minds are wired. But um, I, I was shocked to see that the people that thought I was – um, what's the word I want to say? Not too tough, but um, that I shouldn't be tough. And I think maybe some of that was maybe because I was a female, because I know those coaches on Last Chance You did not get criticized for of course not. The way that they treated their <laughs> yeah. players. And the thing about it is I'm not even a yeller. Like I don't yell. Like I'll have a conversation. like if I have a problem with someone, almost always, not that I don't yell. I mean, obviously there we have our moments, but uh, most always I will pull someone to the side and have a conversation with them just to show them respect of like, I'm not trying to embarrass you in front of the team. Let's have this conversation. This is what you're doing. This is what you need to do to correct it or whatnot. Um, so I always try to be very respectful with the way that I talk to them or the way that I treat them. And, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, our practices are tough, but it's not anything more than anything you would see on Last Chance You, you know, in football. And so it was shocking to me for for some of the feedback that I was getting that I was too tough or too this or too that or whatever um, because I I wasn't even doing things that the football coaches were doing. So um, I I got – I'm I'm used to it now. Two years in, my thickest my skin is thick. <laughs> you know, um, I've gotten a lot better about not even reading it. Like I don't, 
uh, you know, that first year, I'm like, oh, let me search my name on Twitter. And then I'm like, oh, let me not search my name on Twitter. Let me don't do that. Uh, so I don't do that. You know, I don't I don't go looking for the negative yeah. anymore. So I've just gotten smarter because I do know that like my mental health is, is important yeah. and that can get to me. So I just try to not read it. And this year, if you've not seen Cheer Season 2, it is a roller coaster. I had a tough couple of years. And so it's been... Um, I really have just tried to stay away from that that social media that, you know, and I, I've gotten a lot of love <clears throat> on my own personal social media, but also still have the comments and stuff. So, you know, I just keep scrolling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have I have this outlook that Twitter's not real. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not real. So, you know, anything said on there, the uh, to, to speak in tropes, the, the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room. Uh, and no matter what you do, they're going to tear you down. You could do what they want, and they're going to tear you down because you didn't do it right. Absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. And, you know, I got I kind of have gotten <laughs> off Twitter anyway. I mean, I, I have Twitter for sure, but I don't really – if I want to know what's happening news-wise, I'll go hop on Twitter real quick, you know. But uh, after the – election and COVID and it was just too much. Like I can't, I can't deal with the fighting and the negativity and, you know, I just, it's just too much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like yeah. to keep my thoughts positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going to talk about dancing with the stars. We're going to talk about the book, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never thought I would be so enthralled by cheerleading like me growing up here with you and knowing what you've done with this team i knew about that but i didn't know about that so yeah. when when it came out i i was just like next episode next episode <laughs> next episode you know <laughs> next thing i'm nine episodes in how did you feel when um brad vaughn went to work for the enemy <laughs> <laughs> um you know i don't want to throw anybody under the bus um no one's going to listen to I this think, anyway. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that was more of a personal um, kind of diss at myself just because of, um, I don't want to say too much, um, the fact that, you know, Cheer came out without him the first time, which was totally his decision because mm -hmm. he was just taking a step back. But, um, you know, I'm... It was fine. I mean, I, I knew I knew why he was doing that, and uh, I'm always going to be the bigger. I always will take the high road. So yeah. you know what I mean. Like Good it was. I still love him, and um, I think his feelings just were hurt about something, and that was his way of like getting back at me. And and that you know, I can only do what I mean. I'm only, I can't control people's feelings about whatever, but. Um, yeah, I, I was, it was a little surprising, but uh, once again, I just, oh, well, it's, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Well, you built this program. You kind of set this standard. At, it, it, it must, you know, it was a shot at you, but it must also be like jealousy is the biggest form of flattery because your biggest rivals just took your blueprint. For sure, and, yeah. And yeah, I mean, once again, I have always... Hopefully it showed. I've always tried to take the high road on yeah. in anything because I don't. I'm just not about um, to me anybody that's competing. Like your biggest your biggest competitor is yourself. You know, like that's how I've always thought of it. And although I respect the competition and how talented they are, because I know it's going to be a tough competition. Like the respect is there, but I also know that anything that they're doing is not, is like, it, that's not going to affect my practice. That's not going to affect what we're doing or, you know, our performance at the end of the day. Like we have to put the work in and we have to focus on what our talents are and what yeah. our skills are. And so that's how I've always like um, ran my program. And so when, you know, I always knew that that was kind of how they ran theirs, but it was a little bit shocking to see it on camera. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once again, I I just like to stay positive and I like to focus on yeah. what we can do and, and what talents we have. And, and that's how I will always, you know, continue to do. I just think that that's the, that's the, 
you know, the best way of personally for me to have a mindset of a champion is to focus on what we can do. All right. on. It's a great way to look at it. How did, um, how did dancing with the stars come about? I know you talk about it in season two, but yeah, well, you know, first of all, I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been a fan since season one. Obviously I respect the, uh, difficulty, the artistry and everything is kind of like, I love cheerleading and I understand how hard that is yet, how beautiful it can be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I went to, so I, t- the team, not the whole team, but a lot of the team and myself, we went to, uh, we got invited to go to their live show in Dallas, where I think it was in Grand Prairie, um, back in March. And it was literally the week before the pand- the pandemic hit. And so it was in 2020. And we went and we got to go backstage after the show was over. And I met all of the pros. And uh, Val, my partner on Dancing mm-hmm. with the Stars, uh, I met him, and the first thing he said to me was, I want you to be my partner on the next season of Dancing with the Stars. And so I was like, what? <laughs> you know, what? And uh, he, we took a picture together. He sent it to the producer. Uh, so I knew he had said that. I knew he had talked about me in like some interviews uh, about he loved to have me as his partner. But that was, you know, literally the week. We were actually – in spring break, it was our spring break, which we call Hell Week because we we get to practice. It's not really hell. It's really great because mm-hmm. we get to practice all day with no distractions. And it's when we really clean everything up and, you know, the – and I know I'm kind of going off track here, but I'm trying to nice. wind this story all together. Like the media had like put this focus on or had been saying like, oh, Navarro is going to lose their focus because they're out doing all these interviews and they're on the Ellen show and they're doing this – they're not going to uh, win in Daytona. And so, of course, you know, that made me go, wait, wait a minute. We're going to work twice as hard. So we had been working our tails off to get ready. And um, we had done uh, that week of spring break. We had done 25 full outs already. We could have competed if we needed to right then. So we, we practiced like Friday through that Wednesday, and then I give them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off and before we start back those last few weeks to push. Well, went to Dancing with the Stars show. I think it was that Sunday, it, like after our practice that evening. We went up there. We went to the show. We came back. We, you know, um, did our practices. I, I was like, this is great. You know, talk of COVID was like in the news, and I'm like, oh, that's not going to affect us. We're good. And... um we, we left on that Wednesday feeling great about where we were. And the next day, the NBA, like, you know, canceled their season or something crazy. Like, everything just went downhill really fast. And then by that Sunday, our season was canceled. So the last thing on my mind at that point was Val talking about Dancing with the Stars, you know? Like, I'm like, we just got our season canceled. Oh, my God, we're in this pandemic. Oh, but it's only going to be a couple of weeks. We just had to lock down for a couple of weeks, you know? Then we'll be back to normal. Like we were, we didn't even, we even thought maybe the kids could come back. We were so naive. Thought maybe because we went online school, we thought maybe the kids could come back. You know, in a couple of weeks. No. Um, so of course, yes, that was exciting, but that was at the back of my mind because we had just gone into this crazy yeah. pandemic. We're in quarantine. My kid, my own, you know, Allie and her boyfriend at the time were back here, so we were all here at home, and it almost felt like a vacation because we're just all together. We're cooking cooking food every night. I've never been home that much in my life because I'm used to my coaching schedule. I'm always gone. And so I never really thought about Dancing with the Stars again. And then all of a sudden, because I'm so focused on this pandemic and how we're going to get through it and the team coming back and all these you know, conditions, our sports got moved to the spring. Like every, every time we were hopeful, like, oh, this is, we're going to get to go to camp. The team will come back. The new team will come back this summer. Everything is going to get back to normal. Well, that got canceled. And then we're still like, oh, yeah, sports are still great. We're are, we're still going to get back to come back to school, you know. Well, then we got word that, no, the NJCAA decided to move all sports to the spring. So we weren't going to have anything to cheer at that fall. And so... And then I got a phone call from my agent one day, and he said, hey, the Dancing with the Stars producer want to talk to you about doing Dancing with the Stars. Oh, and by the way, you'd have to be there in like two weeks. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, So then it gets brought back. You know, this has been months since I talked to Val. And uh, 
so, you know, just thinking it through, I talked to my family about it. And of course they were, they knew how much I loved the show and they were very supportive of it. And so I talked to my athletic director and our president, which everybody, you know, about, uh-huh. you know, cause really honestly, if I was ever going to do it, like all of our sports got moved to the spring. So we were kind of at like a standstill as far as what our normal schedule is. Yeah. And so um, they were very supportive of it, and so we moved forward. I talked to the producers, and then they invited me to come to the show, and so I tried to get everything ready as fast as I could for the new team and, um, you know, what all they needed to know and and have ready for them. And then um, there I went. That's how that started. That's how that happened. That's crazy. (laughs) All of that. Yeah. Yeah. How confident were you going into that? Being a yeah, you know, I mean, I'm always very confident. I'm like, listen, I've competed either as an athlete or I've coached it for 27 years. I know the mindset it takes to compete. My work ethic is, I'll practice all day if I need to. You know, I'm not really in shape, but I just went spent three three or four months in quarantine where we cooked a lot, but it's okay. <laughs> um, and so I um. I was confident that I could handle the mindset needed, you know, uh-huh. but let me tell you, I got there and it was not the case. I was so intimidated. I was shocked at how intimidated I was because I quickly learned that, well, first of all, I knew nothing about dance. It's everybody thinks, oh, you're a cheerleader. You, this is your thing. And I'm like, no, it's not. I don't know any of the terminology. It's very, your posture is very different in cheerleading versus ballroom dancing. Um, I knew nothing. Val was my coach, and he was very mean. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, it was just a very intimidating situation, and I'm going up against these people who perform for a living on a stage, some of them. You know, they're actresses. They do Broadway. They, you know, and yes, I'm a coach, but I haven't actually been in the performer yeah, since I was yeah. 20, you know? And so I'm like, this is, a, a, I've not done this, you know, myself in a long time. And then I also realized like, you actually need some acting skills to do this dancing thing. And I don't have any of that. So, you know, I quickly found that I had a lot to learn. <laughs> in a short time. In a very short time. What was your standout moment for <sighs> you? You know, I think my favorite dance that I finally felt like, you know what, I'm finally like feeling confident was when I did um, the rumba, which was several weeks in. And unfortunately, that night happened to be the Cowboys played Monday Night Football because that dance I had actually like dedicated to my husband and they had the da- Dallas skyline as the backdrop. Uh-huh. And it didn't even show in Dallas or Corsicana. <laughs> If you wanted to watch it, you had to watch it, like, either record it or watch it at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning or something because they ended up playing Monday Night Football game on on ABC that night. So, um, yeah, I mean, but but that was, like, where I felt, like, the most confident and finally, like, I was learning a thing or two. Right on. Mm -hmm. Did he eventually watch it? Who? Your husband. Oh, well, they they got it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. They... um, I had like a, a live stream that I could give them oh, okay. that, that okay. uh, Dancing with the Stars gave me. So they were watching it, uh, of course, live. But, of course, they recorded it and watched it later on the TV as well. But, yeah, it was disappointing that the one night I was going to have the Dallas Skyline on, <laughs> it wasn't even on TV. Here's an oddball question. I wasn't even planning on asking you this, but um, Carol Baskin was on your uh, yeah. season. Did you ask her about her husband? I did. <laughs> I did not, you know, she was, uh, first of all, everybody was so nice. Everybody was so nice. She was not on there, you know, that long, but uh, we had these crazy COVID restrictions. So we weren't supposed to like really gather too much, but um, we did obviously uh, when we did uh, dress rehearsals and then and show days, like we were all on stage and talking and stuff. But she, I can remember the first time I saw her, she just, she really stood several feet away like she didn't really interact with anybody um she just seemed more quiet but uh i did talk to her a few times she was super nice Mm -hmm. super nice but i didn't ask her about her husband (laughs) (laughs) um you've got a book you released a book right around the time season two came out yeah it's called full out um for someone who hasn't read the book should you would you recommend them read it before they watch cheer after or during (laughs) um 
I would say if you're going to read the book and watch Cheer, I would watch Cheer first just so that you kind of get to know me a little bit. But you also, like I do talk about Cheer stuff in Mm -hmm. the, uh, because a lot of my stories that I relate to, they're all obviously about my career and, or my personal life. But uh, so I do talk about my team some, and then I talk about some people that were in the show. Um, So if you're going to do both, I would definitely watch Cheer before you read it. But even if you don't watch Cheer, you should read it. Yeah. (laughs) How was it like putting yourself out there in print? Like you've already kind of done the ultimate, put yourself out there, but this is more personal, a book. You know, I think um, I talk about in the book about when Chris and I divorced and then remarried. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that time of my life um, really kind of changed my mindset about being vulnerable and kind of opening up about my, because I am a private person, but I think because of that struggle that we went through, and you know that was definitely a hard time in my life, I realized that the lessons that I personally learned were important, and that a lot of people like me talking about it. I shouldn't be embarrassed about failing in my marriage and figuring it out. You know that that's life, and um, so I think that that was helpful. Not that not that a divorce should be helpful, but it actually is the best thing that ever happened to us because it really made us focus on like what we needed to do for ourselves to um, bring our best versions of ourselves yeah. to each other, you know, but um, a lot of people stay in it and never fix it. So yeah. is it, is it better the second time around? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like I said, we, you know, we, when we got divorced, I, I know for me, I don't, I don't want to speak for Chris, but I know for me personally, like uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of people, when they get to a divorce, they are so angry at each other for whatever the buildup is that they want to blame each other. And that wasn't the case, I don't think, for us at all. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. I was, you know, sad that that I had failed at something, mm-hmm. my marriage, and something very important. Um, and so I really wanted to do whatever it took to become the best, best version of myself. Like, what, what could I have done differently? What do I need to work on? And I think if we do that in all areas of our life, like really look at, ourselves than uh and what we brought to the table and what we could do better because at the end of the day that's all you can ever control is yourself right can't control anybody else like why would i worry about what he needs to do like i need to worry about what i need to do and so um i took that opportunity to read a lot of books and listen to a lot of things and you know kind of dig down deep like okay well monica you you need to apologize more. Like you just, you're not always right. I know you think you are, but you're not, you know, and um, just different things that I knew I could do to be a better partner uh, and not, I think the biggest thing is just like not allow the stress that I have from work and everyday life to like, I shouldn't take that out on Chris. Like that's like, and I even say it in the book, like it's weird that uh, we treat the people that we love the most, the worst when we're under stress. Yeah. And, uh, so just making sure that we acknowledge, like, hey, we're str- like, and even now I'm like, hey, I'm really stressed out today. So like, if I snap at you, and I'm I'm apologizing in advance because it has nothing to do with you. I'm just really stressed out. So you know, just take it like, don't allow ourselves to get you know ever there again. And um, so it wasn't hard. So back to your original question, it really wasn't hard because I think that period of my life re- made me realize how important it is to be vulnerable. And I mean, shoot, I was already, I'd already put myself out there for the TV show. And so I was like, you know, these are important things I feel like um, people could learn from. And these are the things that I think are important. That's what I wanted to put in the book is um, what I thought could help you live your best life, whether it's, you know, taking ownership for this or being a better leader. Because I know one of the big things that would, for me, is like leading by example. And that's not just as a team or as a coach. That's in your household. I mean, don't you want to be the leader of your family? Like you want your, you know, you want to be that role model for your kids. And so it's really all areas of your life. Some of these basic principles that I try to instill in my own athletes that I, you know, felt like people would want to read about. And so that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Actually, your first answer before you went into answer, like, I didn't expect you to go into that. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You're welcome. (laughs) a few more questions about cheer. Like you in these last two years, like have you learned how to deal with the distraction of having a camera around you or a mic on you all the time? 
Is it, are, you, are you a little bit more at ease just like going into it? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I mean, you, you have so much when you're coaching, you have so many other things you're worried about, like why you haven't hit that stunt yet or, you know, who needs to do this or what, that you don't really worry about it. I think the harder part of, of filming was all the outside filming that we had to do. Like in practice was not a problem because we weren't worried about the cameras. Mm-hmm. We were worried about practice, you know. But they want to film for 12 hours a day. So that means they're filming somebody for 12 hours a day, yeah. you know. So a lot of times when they had nothing to film, they were in my office. They were in my office all the time. So that's where it was like, I really want to work on, like, I need to get this done. And you're asking me questions, so I can't get this done. So um, it was it was a lot of work for me. Like, I already have a crazy schedule because if I'm not at a practice or a game, you know, then when we're filming, I'm filming. So yeah. I never, it was just a constant, you know, and I'm used to that because, I mean, yes, coaching, you really... There are days, weeks that you don't have a day off. Um, you're working nights. We do two-a-days on Tuesdays and Thursdays already. That's just our schedule. We practice Monday through Friday. And on Tuesday, like last night, got home at 10.30 or 10.45, you know, and start my day again today. So it's um, it's it's a pace that I'm used to. But I'm, I'm used to having that time to also get done what I need to get done. So when they're in, you know, they're wanting to film outside of practice, that's taken away from my time that I'm working on, whatever it is I need to work on, whether mm-hmm. it's um, getting you know stuff ready for the team or planning a clinic or turning in paperwork for competition or the thousands of other things I have to do for the college. Um, it was just a lot. So it was draining, you know, and then they want to come to your house and film you in cooking dinner. They want to, you got to go in your car, <laughs> you, whatever you do. And they, and they would, I, I mean, I even said no to a few things. I mean, they would, I, I kind of joked around after season one. I said, if I would have let them follow me into the bathroom, they totally would have. <laughs> I mean, that's just, they they wanted to be there for that's everything. True, yeah. I mean, they literally, if, I mean, I sometimes like, like I remember when, when the pandemic was folding out, like we had just finished our spring break practices and, and uh, Chelsea called me. She's like, what are you doing? This is like that Thursday. I was like, I'm going to get my hair done. She was like, we're coming to film. And I'm like, no, you're not going to come film me getting my hair done. She, and of course they should, they film me getting my hair done mm-hmm. because they, that's what they want to do. And then they're like, now what are you doing? Well, well, we were going to go eat dinner. Well, we're going to come film y'all eating dinner. Okay. I mean, like there's no privacy, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. I bet. Um, one one thing you said, one thing I noticed, and you, this isn't really a question. Uh, I think people from our generation say this a lot, and I don't hear it in this newer generation. You're you're having a day, and you go, "I got to step outside. I got to do this. I mean, I'm gonna leave it at the door." <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of ch- cracked up that they actually put that in there. But <laughs> you know, I you know I i use that term a lot i'm just gonna leave it at the door yeah but you don't hear that with this newer generation I, yeah. that's that that really struck with me because i heard it all yeah. my life just leave well, it at the door. and we do say that in cheerleading mm-hmm. a lot because sometimes you know you're you're talking about we have 40 kids on the team and sometimes they <clears throat> sometimes they date each other well mm-hmm. that's never good no. you know and, and then of course they have little friend issues and stuff so we always say leave it at the door like when you walk into this gym your teammates are here to work and you leave it at the door. You leave everything outside, and you you know. So we we as a team say that all the time. Okay. But that in the show, yeah, I was feeling a lot of anxiety, and I wasn't in a good mood, and I was like, I need to check myself. I felt that. <laughs> I'm gonna walk outside. I'm gonna leave it out there and come yeah. back in with a better attitude. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you've made it when you're parodied on SNL. <laughs> yes, that was greatness you know do you uh, get a heads up when that happens or well not really I, the creator of the show greg whiteley he actually texted me and said i think they're doing a parody of y'all of, of the show tonight yeah. like literally like an, an hours before maybe an hour before and i don't know how he got word but so of course we we put it on there really quick and there we are it was hilarious uh but yeah it was it was that was that wild like I mean, people were so, I think, just like you said, you said it correctly. <clears throat> you 
never thought you would be so invested in a cheer show, right? No. And here you are. And and Dak Shepard that I I just did the other day, he said the same thing. He was like his uh, partner on the show. He watched it for her because she used to cheer, and uh-huh. he had made her watch something. He was like, I. He said, I'm going to watch this stupid show. And he said within two seconds, he was like, what? He couldn't get enough, you yeah. know? So well, it's I crazy. Think I, yeah, I think I was three episodes in when season one was released, and I messaged you like, well done. <laughs> like, this is so good. Um, you've met a lot of famous people, a lot of strong women, uh, Oprah, Ellen, Whitney Cummings. What is your, who's your favorite of the person, of the, of the famous people that probably you'd never thought you'd meet? Oh, oh my gosh. All, first of all, I mean, (laughs) you know, funny story. So when the show came out, I was like, can we do Kiss FM 106.1? Like, (laughs) I am such a fan (laughs) of Kelly, Big Al, and JC. Like that, that would be a dream come true. Well, we got booked on their show. Like, went up, we did some local Dallas uh-huh. news, went over to the station, and we're like, we're in person doing the radio station with them. I was like, oh, wait, wait, this is best best thing ever. Like, I have made dream- it. I've made it. <laughs> I am talking to Kelly and Big Al. And that was like a Tuesday. And that Thursday, I was in our marketing department. I was in the office talking about something. And I got a phone call from our Netflix PR, and she was like, Ellen wants y'all to come on the show, and she wants you to bring the team and do a performance. And I was like, I mean, I fell down on my knees. I was like, what is going on here? And so it just, like, spiraled out of control so fast. Um, obviously, who doesn't have, want to go on Ellen, right? Like, that was – if I could just even be an audience member on the Ellen show, which um, is hard to get – to any of that, you know? And so that was wild. Ellen was great. I did Ellen again, you know, like a week or two ago. And she was so sweet. Um, I actually had COVID. Uh-huh. <laughs> supposed to be on the show. And I got stuck in a in a hotel in LA for a week because I had to quarantine. Uh-huh. So I had to zoom in. So I was really sick, actually, the day that I did Ellen. So hopefully you couldn't tell. But um, I thought you were here. No, I was in LA. (laughs) I was supposed to be on her show. Like I was, but I I tested positive for COVID. So um, she had someone sent over and she, you know, said she wanted me to come back. So like, I don't know if I'll go back and do before her show ends or not, but she's, she's such a fan and she's so supportive. So like, just so grateful for that. But anyway, she's had somebody come to my hotel and brought me this huge bag of like Ellen, Hoodies, jackets, t-shirts, mugs, wh- you name it. It was just full of all this, these great The gifts. underwear? The, <laughs> the boxers? More underwear. More <laughs> underwear. Because I have underwear from the first time we went, you know. More underwear. And uh, then she sent a box of t-shirts to the college for all the teams. Uh-huh. So, like, just so supportive. But then Oprah, I mean, then I got a message from Oprah's uh, tour person when she was doing that tour, which was so funny because I wanted to go to Oprah's tour. Before the show even came out, I had talked to my sister-in-law about going to see Oprah, but I didn't buy tickets because I knew, I didn't know what my schedule was going to be. And I'm usually working all the time. I was like, I hate to spend all the money on these tickets and then not be able to go. And then of course, that was the craziest thing ever. And Oprah was like, like she, she was the sweetest person just hanging out like she had known us forever, you know, so sweet. Whitney Cummings though is... Uh, she and I are, like talk all the time and she has been my biggest supporter literally whatever you need like when I was in LA doing Dancing with the Stars she sent her assistant over to bring me some stuff uh, she always wanted me to come I mean she she's like a true friend like obviously mm-hmm. I'm not friends with Ellen no, and Oprah no, no. but like we you know she's invited to my daughter's wedding um, she came to visit the college back in May. So like we actually are friends now. So that's been a really, really uh, fun friendship to have. Um, and I could see us being friends forever. Like yeah. she's just the sweetest person I know. That's awesome. Yeah. She's hilarious. She's brilliant. She I'm a huge fan is of Whitney. Hilarious. Yeah. And she came to my book signing in in LA a few weeks ago. And I mean, even it even though it was a book signing, like I couldn't quit laughing she had some people crying we were laughing so hard she's just really really good people 
Right on. Right on. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. I okay. have a few more questions. <laughs> um, being from Texas, I have some Texas questions for oh, you. Oh, goodness. They're kind of rapid fire. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Waylon or Willie? Oh, Willie. Barbecue or Mexican food? Oh, Mexican. All day, every day. <laughs> Rock country or hip hop? Country. And to settle a debate in my household, is it pecan or pecan? Pecan. <laughs> pecan. Uh, <laughs> got you guys. <laughs> um, the podcast is called Is Breakfast Included? If breakfast was included, Monica, what would you have? Ooh, I love some good old bacon and eggs and biscuits. Mm-hmm. Nice. Traditional. Nice. Country girl. Yep. Um, thank you for doing this. Thank you. Like, Thank you. As long as I've been touring, uh, when people, I've been all over the world. People ask me, where are you from? I never say Dallas. I always say from Corsicana. No one ever heard of it. Now everyone's heard of it. And <sighs> I don't think that Corsican ha- Corsicana can have a better person represent them than you. Aww. I've known you almost all my life. I know. And this I'm is crazy. I'm so happy with your success. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, you doing this is a big deal to me. Well, thank you. You know. But thanks. Yeah, thanks. Right Right on, Monica Aldama. Seasons one and two of Cheer are streaming currently on Netflix, and you can get her book full out, well, anywhere you buy books. Also, check out cheertourofficial.com. They're taking their show on the road. You can find out about dates and tickets. And if they're coming to a town near you, I highly suggest you go check it out. All right, guys, I'm done. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. 